You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 138 of the Light Podcast. My name is David Ian Howe, and I am your host today, and my co-host, I guess we're both co-hosts, is here today, and that is Connor cochran Johnen. And Carlton is not here today because he is flying back from Lisbon, Portugal, and he was in Italia before that, and, oof, probably canceled. Anyway, it's okay. I grew up around Italians. Speak Italian. Partly. Anyway, Carlton is not here, Connor, so you know what that means. It's Paleo Sunday, but it's Saturday recording this. Paleo Monday for you guys. All right. He's not here. He only likes pottery and indigenous stuff. We're we're here talking about mammoths, mastodons, saber-toothed cats, scimitar cats, giant beavers. What's up? Connor, do you want to bring us in some way? Yeah, yeah. So we're specifically going to talk about the Pleistocene in North America because that's what we're familiar with. That's where the cool stuff is. The rest of the world sucks at that time, and it doesn't yeah. matter. Still sucks. Yes, <laughs> still sucks. <laughs> so, in general, the Pleistocene. Oh, what is it like? The last fifty. Uh, the Pleistocene. It's like I think it's like a million years. Yeah. So it's like the last million years. They're doing a bunch of weird stuff. A lot of climate things. A lot of heating and cooling of the entire uh, world atmosphere and it presents itself differently in different environments. 2.5 mil to 11,000 years ago. Okay. Yeah. So it's a huge, huge period of time. I think we're specifically more interested and going to focus on like the last little bit, like the last 50,000, 100,000. Ooh, wow. Sorry, I called to cut you off. Gone. No, it's good. What's, what is the terminal Pleistocene? What would you, what would you That's just like dates? the technical term I see for it. The dates I, I, I call terminal Pleistocene like 15,000 years on. Cause okay. like, and we'll get into that. Yeah. It's like the terminal terminal, like right as like the beginning and end of the last glacial maximum, right? Where things start getting wild. Yeah. Where humans are, you know, all over the place doing some stuff. Crazy, they're in Australia, they're in at least way north, North America, and they're in Africa, Europe. No humans ever made it to Iceland that inhabit it. The Norse were the first to get there. So that is the only place that has not been colonized. Hit that button. Oh, yeah! They did colonize the local foxes or something like that, probably, but, you know, what can you do? <laughs> New Zealand, Polynesia wasn't populated till like, 3,000 years ago to, like, you know, 500 years ago, really, in, like, most spots, so. And Australia was, like, 41, right? That's when you see... 50, yeah. 50, okay, that's when they... Yeah, yeah. Rowing boats down from Indonesia, Papua New Guinea. Possibly took a land bridge, but, you know, you use that word, and you're going to get all the hate. But, yeah, possibly swam in boats. I think Stefan's a big proponent of that. Swam in boats. I went in boats. <laughs> you put water in the boat, and you swim in it, right? 
Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like a Joe Rogan ice bath kind of situation. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, elk meat. Oh, yeah! But, yeah, it's trying to get their athletic <laughs> greens. But anyway, possibly Homo erectus made it to Australia, but we definitely only see modern humans get there about 50,000 years ago. And uh, a common question I get on the internet all the time is, are Australians modern humans? And I'm like, I'm just going to leave that one on, on red. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's it's not it's not clear, right? It's well, like if we want to say that humans reached their behavioral modernity forty thousand years ago in Europe, like with all the cave art and stuff like that, the people that made it to Australia fifty thousand years ago wouldn't be. But with later populations of modern humans going in there, they would be completely replaced, like they were everyone else. So, but I, I mean, I think a hundred thousand years on, we're like modern humans it's just cultural spread more so than evolutionary spread if that makes sense yeah so it, it would be you you wouldn't see it in, in the the bones or anything like that you would see it in the material culture and that stuff more than anything exactly and like Vinny said like if you find danny devito in italy his skeleton and then you find shaquille o'neal in <laughs> africa or let's say like yao ming in china you're going to think those are different species and like we're going to lump them into different things and or split them into different things, but they're all human. So kind of doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> yeah, I'm on I'm on team in that. And so in, in North America specifically, like the last 100,000 years, it was just like a series of like getting cold, like 120,000 years. That's where like the, the last interglacial period is where things are warm, better, you're making wine somewhere i don't know there's usually some things like you could make wine in alaska it's always like the really the joke i oh, know it was just like i feel like i hear that a lot on like news articles like oh the climate will change you can it's uh, always like you, you can like have grapes here or something it's like a marker which doesn't matter but i kind of always understood the pleistocene as like Uh, Especially towards the end of it, like a lot of like warming and cooling phases with the younger driest being a spectacularly warm period. But it's kind of like when you have the flu or COVID, you're like hot and then you're cold. So like you just take the blanket on and off. So like species couldn't adapt to that like rapid change in climate. Yeah. And then this this occurs all through the last 500,000 years of the Pleistocene. You're doing this up and down. So you're having probably having species die off periodically through all that or surviving if they have the right yeah. setup for it. Well, you know, there might've been a bipedal primate that used fire. That was pretty good at killing things. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. So in, in North America specifically, there's a lot of weird or weird to us animals that are there. And you mentioned a couple of them in the beginning. Do you have a favorite out of all those, do you have like a megafauna boy? Maybe. I mean, I definitely have a clear favorite, but just to, to mention like the glyptodont, like what an interesting little animal. It's like a dinosaur essentially, but like also a beaver. I think, I yeah. think it's a, like a big beaver type or it's a giant, if I'm not mistaken, a giant rodent. Yeah. I think that's right. Uh, let's, let's fact check that, but looks like one, just an armored beaver. I think they're the ones in Ice Age. You see those. Um, yeah, the they're like Ice a family. Age. And he's like, we're on the march. <laughs> <laughs> Genus of Glyptodont, Mammalia, family, Animalia Cordata, Singulata. Oh, Armadillo. 
Doo-doo-dee. Cool. So, yeah, close enough. Giant armadillo. Uh, those are pretty cool. But, like, if you think about, too, like, megalotherium, like the giant sloths, like, could you imagine seeing mammoths, seeing bison, seeing wolves, seeing lions, seeing reindeer, camels, horses, your whole way, let's say, through the land bridge or, you know, swimming from Russia to, to Alaska, right? And then just somehow pop back on land. Um <laughs> Yeah, you're going to see all those animals, but then you're going to get down further south to like, I believe, you know, the southwest and the southeast for sure. And there's this giant thing that's like real slow, climbs trees and has giant claws that just shears trees. And it's like, probably like, that's probably the sound it made. And you'll be like, what is this thing? Let's shoot it. And that's what they did. (laughs) And we know that because of some special footprints. And White Sands, not those special footprints, but the other footprints directed by Tarantino, where <laughs> he was really into feet, and there's a human and sloth duking it out. Wow, that's wild. Yeah, just they're just like languid creatures, like very slow moving, like you would just, like a sloth, but just like you just supersized it, right? Yeah, and it's like just a it's sloths. I think only exist in what Central America, South America now. I think so. So they're like just a very specialized creature but yeah you're just walking on a continent with all that that crazy stuff we can get it more into it but i would say favorite ice age animal i mean the dire wolf for sure but it's kind of a cop-out but yeah what do you do study dogs or something yeah <laughs> saber tooth cats are cool but i would say yeah like favorite megafauna is just mammoths i find them fascinating they're like just elephants but hairy i bet they probably worked the same way they're like yeah. had the same intelligence or herd structures and stuff, but probably a lot different in some ways because it was cold adapted more so than warm. Yeah. What about you? I'm also a fan of the mammoth just because I think of the associations with humans that we have. And I think that's, it's always interesting to think about how like Clovis people running around, like stabbing these big boys. If they did it, you know, I think it'd be super interesting. <laughs> if they did it, we could have a if- paleo Indian write a book called If I Did It. If I did. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <continue. laughs> Is that the lapel story? Uh, my my favorite though. <laughs> my favorite though is the short faced bear. Come on. Oh damn, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Just like this. I have to see how tall it is. I believe like, there's no evidence of people hunting those. Kept a yeah. wide berth. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, think that's a, I think that's a good call. It, it was standing on its hind legs. It was eight to ten feet tall. Walking on all fours, it was three to five feet tall. Six. It was like half a ton. Yeah. Wow. Leonardo DiCaprio should stay away. <laughs> I got my boy. <laughs> <laughs> Hawk! My favorite quote from that entire movie is, I mean, there's many, I'd say, but it's when Tom Hardy's like, protect the belts! (laughs) The way he says it, the belts! I just say that all the time when I have to pick something up. Um, What were we saying? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The short-faced bear, too, like, that probably was, like, super aggressive with those long arms that it had, because it had longer arms than other bears, probably for... I'm assuming predatory reasons that wouldn't make it faster. No. Maybe climbing. Yeah, it could be climbing. It could be reaching certain 
things and trees or whatever. Yeah. And they could, and uh, there's some research out there that they could that suggests that they could run between 25 to 28 miles per hour. So I stand corrected. I mean, how fast? I guess modern bears can run pretty fast when they're after something. So you have like a 10 foot tall, half a ton tank running after you. I think I think they wide berth is a is a solid wide choice. Birth. Yeah, would help if you had dogs to bark at it, but we don't know. Brown bears can get up to 35 miles per hour. So it's just like a big. It's a fast boy. Yeah. Super fast boy. Oh, megafauna, cave hyena for sure. Uh, that's not North oh, American. Oh, okay. Cave hyenas are cool because they had longer legs and were probably more coarsers than they were scavengers and just like populated all those caves that you would have walked in that would have been like, <laughs> and you'd be like, uh oh, not this one. <laughs> not this one. Yep. Bye. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they like all miss- the sounds they make and stuff, like the the laughing and the cackling and stuff, and that like hissing sound they make, but like twice as big, so like deeper, kind of scary. And like yeah. m- amplified in a cave, that would yeah. be insane. It would be pretty nuts to hear. Yeah, I'm also going to throw out that the, the American or horse. I think it was cool that we had horses in North America that were not Spanish brought. Shout out to our boys, the horse. Our boys. Keeping people moving, 3000 BC. That's a good boy. That's yes. uh, <laughs> a good... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Red Dead. You're Red a good boy. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I thought you were doing the Revenant again. But uh, also, yeah, like in France, they're driving them off of cliffs and stuff, eating the shit out of them. Must have tasted pretty good. Or I guess it was they were easy enough to scare off the cliff, I guess, maybe. Is that where they got all their glue, too? Who was telling us that? Somebody was. I'm just joking. I was just making a bad oh. horse joke. Some, uh, I guess it was Will. So he mentioned something about horse glue, but that, maybe it was something different. Hmm. Maybe that was in yeah, person. Maybe it was. Yeah. Shout out to Will Taylor. Still studies this stuff. Yeah. Will's our boy. Yeah. So Pleistocene horses. Oh, I posted a TikTok yesterday uh, and it was like a, an amalgamation or a slideshow of the paintings that Tori does for me. And I put mm-hmm. little captions to them and it got like 300,000 views like within a day. I was like, damn. But all these people were like, that, number seven is inaccurate. There were no horses in North America. Otherwise, great post. And I'm like, dude, hold up. And a bunch of people went in and like corrected them for me. But I still had to, that was probably the most frequent thing I got. And it's like, no, horses evolved in North America. They then left along with camels and when the ice... Oh, excuse me. When the sea corridor that they swam through froze up, <laughs> they couldn't make it back across. So uh, they got stuck. And then llamas being like all the way cold adapted up in the highlands came back down and they're like, guys, <laughs> all the camels are gone and the horses. So, but yeah, they, they came from here. And that's why like the BLM horse problem is such a thing. Cause like we want our European and Asian and Middle Eastern cattle to graze the lands out here but like it was actually ruminated by horses for and bison for millions of years and now cows i didn't even think about that that's why those populations do so well yeah because and the problem is too they uh shout out dale and grindle i think she told me this but they uh like horses eat the food like the plant that they're the foliage that they're eating at the root and pull Mm -hmm. it all the way out and that's there before everything gets barren but the cows eat just the grass. So like it'll keep the grass pretty green and like fr- fertile so it can go again. But horses pull the whole thing out. So when you have 
if it was just horses going out there, like living and existing, and I guess bison did their own thing, it didn't, I guess it was a balance, right? With bison and horses doing that. But like now with cows needing all that grass out there to feed the beef industry, horses just get shot at helicopters. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. It yes. is pretty wild. Uh, I know a goats, I think it's goats do the same thing, right? They, they rip from the, the root and, and completely clear stuff out. What a weird animal, dude. Like God or Charles Darwin's ghost was just like, <laughs> let me just stick some horns on a mini little cow thing and give it cross eyes. And it's going to chew sideways and go like, Meh! like and he could have done and better. Then, and then we're going to put it, we're going to allow it to like, <laughs> is God a they? On the next episode of the Life and Ruins <laughs> podcast, we figure out if God is they. And at that, at this point, we're going to take a little break and we'll be right back. Is everyone who prayed to God as a he or a she not in heaven because they're canceled? Tune in next week. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Oh, yeah! You know what time it is. You're back. Episode 138. Paleo Mondays. Paleo Mondays. Hopefully it'll solve your case of the Mondays. I don't know. It'll probably just bore you because we're ridiculous. We ended up the last segment talking about goats. And I wanted to tell like a little story. So my office, I got a new job. I'm I'm working with the state of Wyoming. Bing, 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 bing. Bravo, congrats. Thanks, man. But they have this obsession with goats within the office. There's like an office culture obsessed with goats. Like there's weird. Yeah. I have Damien, who was on the podcast, my supervisor, bought me a goat mug. And they also do a goat Weird. calendar. Yeah. it's Oh, it's, it gets weirder. They have a goat calendar every year. And there's a, there's a whole... At the beginning of the month, everyone guess... Like, no one looks at the calendar um, and actually cheats or anything. Every beginning of the month, you guess how many goats are in the... Goats are in the... Actual, a classic goat guess. Yeah. Yeah. How many goats and then and how many trees? Because it's all goats and trees is the calendar. So there's like a whole culture around that. Like, so I, I, I won the first time, I guess three goats and one tree ended up being like eight goats and three trees or something like that. It's super weird, but I'm, we're, we're goat people now, Charlie. We're <laughs> live and die with a goat. <laughs> you were talking about too, like their hooves and stuff. And like, like if you watch goats, like scale walls and stuff, like in the middle East, like it is crazy. And it's just like that solid example of natural selection because like or adaptation because they have to hide from all those predators that can come from any direction so they just like vertically scale walls (laughs) well and to get food too but 
yeah, I think it was in Planet Earth where they have that like scene where that is it the snow leopard or is chasing goats and they're like on vertical shelves. That's what I'm like thinking of. Out. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if it was snow leopard, but some cat. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's insane. Like they're, but they'll not just scream at you like, <laughs> they're like these freak animals. But that's, I guess, kind of getting into what I'd like to talk about too, is like you have, especially North America, this continent and Australia as a solid example, you have all these animals that are perfectly adapted to their stable environment and I just shouldn't say stable. Like it, it does. Climate does fluctuate pretty hard over the millennia, but like relatively good time. And then, like about twenty to ten thousand years ago, like that climate starts like going haywire, and things just start dying off. So, like in Australia too, like there's like marsupial cats, giant predators, and stuff, and they are perfectly adapted to those environments as well, because Australia is like a wild ecosystem. And then. About 40,000 years ago, all those megafauna in Australia kind of start to disappear. And giant kangaroos and stuff go extinct. But it's interesting because 10,000 years before that, these apes with fire show up and are like, huh, look at all this meat. (laughs) I don't know. It's just weird, you know? And like in Siberia, when, when people show up there too, animals die and like when people show up in North America animals die and when they show in South America they die not only that when they show up in Madagascar the animals die and when they show up in New Zealand they start clubbing all those birds to death (laughs) was that climate did humans come in there with their their CO2 emissions from their gas fossil fuel cars and destroy the environment probably did they bash the animals over the head? More likely. Yeah. Well, so climate to give it to- changes everywhere. But like yeah. when humans get there, it's a pretty, you know, as Todd put it, like if there's a bunch of murders in a town where this one person's going, it's probably that person. Just, just saying. To, to give some context and to actually do some real science, which we, we rarely do. I'm the Alex um, Jones of archaeology. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. (laughs) (laughs) So in North America specifically, 37 mammalian genera, including over 70% of its megafauna, were lost toward the end of the Pleistocene. Toward the end, huh? That's a a lot. Yeah. Does it mention the Pridmosti site in the Czech Republic? No. Because there's a site in the Czech Republic called the Pridmosti site, Connor, where... There are evidence of possible dogs, but they're like maybe just wolves, but they buried one with a mammoth bone in its mouth. So they're probably like proto dogs hanging around the camp. And why would they be hanging around the camp, Connor? Because at this one site, which was occupied continuously for like a thousand years, 700 mammoths, actually a thousand mammoths, I believe, according to the the, the paper, were killed there. And hmm. I wonder why the dogs were hanging out eating all this mammoth bones. But 700 mammoths? Can you have any such certificate? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it quacks like a duck. <laughs> uh, sorry, yeah, a well, megafauna duck. Mega duck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if you lose 700 mammoths, like your population can't like feasibly recover from that. It's like a mammoth a year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like they're slow um, birthing too. They're not like real rapid species like, that what, just 16 like months, pop. 14 months. Yeah, yeah, that's a long period of time. Like you don't repopulate quickly. 
Let me let me type this in. My search history today is gonna be weird. <laughs> Elephant. You wanna, do you wanna do you wanna read it to the crowd? Yeah. 18 to 22 months. African bush elephant, 22 months. So more than a year. Yeah. That's almost, almost two, two years. years. Yeah. Of just being hormonal and pregnant. Yeah. But anyway, so I believe in my coding class, we learned like one of the, the example problems was like of how to code was this many mammoths existed in Wyoming at this time, possibly. And if it takes 22 months to gestate a mammoth and there's people hunting a mammoth every you know, year, but there's multiple mm-hmm. groups of people doing it. How quickly are the mammoths going to die in Wyoming? It's a pretty fast amount of years. It's quick. <laughs> but that's not to say that, according to that one study, Clovis points could not have killed Proposidians. But with one throw, not even from Donnie Dust or, or Devin Atlatl, man, Devin Atlatl Pettigrew himself, uh, my throw, my first throw, perfectly penetrated what was said it couldn't in that one paper. So, it just, Questions it's are just asked. odd to me. <laughs> <laughs> is it almost like people have an agenda where they're like, is it? Hmm. Interesting. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> when Obama was in office, all the megafauna died. But when Trump was in office, none did. Coincidence? I think not. I'm Tucker Carlson. <laughs> Does my white bow tie make me look like a white supremacist? Yes. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it's one of those, uh, I, sorry, I want a whole Tucker Carlson impersonation tangent. What were you going to say? <laughs> There's a paper out by Tyler Faith and Todd Cerevel, uh, published in 2009, that really says that this event of these extinction events really occur in like a small period of time. So it's like between 12,000 and 10,000 radiocarbon years before present is like very tight window. Cause that close window. Think, yeah. 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 Which you think, I mean, it is pretty, to be fair, there is a lot of drastic climate change occurring on a scale that is really, really isn't seen yeah. anywhere else. Um, it might've occurred in, in the Pleistocene previous times, but this is like, a pretty wild, unstable period. So, right. so there is probably a little bit of that that is affecting population size. Absolutely. And I think that was my paper in our, our arc theory class with Nicole Wagspeck, mm-hmm. uh, shout out, that like, her, put it this way, meteor aside, like climate was already destroying these populations like shifting and going like that right then humans coming in there at that time as another thing in the mix just didn't help because it like those populations were already declining and then humans came in and just you know got the final final kill on them because climate does kill things all over oh yeah but so so do humans (laughs) yeah well i mean Um, and especially like cold adopted like they're surviving and thriving in probably one of the coldest periods in the pleistocene and then you go to this like rapid, rapid change. Like you, you probably just die. You overheat. You, um, you lose your food source. Or there's just there's a lot of stuff that could be done because of that. Yeah, and if you think about it too, like the animals that are, let's say mammoths or horses or something that are used to foraging in whatever environment they were. If that's getting warmer, they got to push further north to exist where they do to keep that same climate. So smaller animals, let's say like 
for example, way more rabbits are coming up there eating foliage, their foliage than like you're just getting not rabbits, but things that are better adapted to that area will now start pushing into that area. And those bigger ones that don't gestate as fast, like don't breed like rabbits are going to die off. And that's just like kind of basic science, you know? The mutations there aren't present because it's not as quickly mutating of a population. The change doesn't really occur as quickly because it's those potential for mutations aren't, isn't there. And yeah, exactly. And not to say humans were killing or not killing dire wolves. I don't know of any examples of it, but like the dire wolf was very adapted to lowlands and plains and it was taken out bison and like big things like that. However, it couldn't adapt to changing climates and wolves live kind of everywhere. And the wolves mm-hmm. that existed on the plains that had to compete with them obviously weren't doing as great as the dire wolves, but the wolves that lived up in higher alpine areas and, you know, what kind of where wolves are reduced to today were totally fine because like they were adapted to that area already and could survive it. Mm -hmm. So that's a solid example of climate or just the loss of other species, you know, causing an extinction. But was that extinction or those extinctions of species caused by a trophic cascade of people coming here too at the same time? I don't, can't argue against it. Yeah. I think it's really, really, and the more you see and the more we find about that period, I think we're going to continue to see evidence of, uh, scavenging, maybe hunting, you know, all those things. I think it is going to continue to come out that these are, I mean, if you have access to that and are able to hunt those megafauna, well, why wouldn't you? I right. mean, that's, 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 it's just, you know, it makes sense adaptation wise. And I'm still of the idea that like, we might not have been hunting all of these mammoths, like physically chasing and hunting them, but they probably got a lot of them near rivers and like elephants, especially baby elephants get stuck a lot in those rivers and can't get pulled out like in the mud. Mm-hmm. So like we could probably just walk by, hear it crying and then pop it. And like, that's like Laprella is a solid example of like, that's totally a possibility because we found the point that had a mammoth blood on it. But like, was it just, you know, cooperative hunting like a Jason Bourne or was it like, or I guess, what's his name? Joe Rogan oh my God, and it's uh, Jason Bourne. Cameron Haynes. Oh my God, it's Joe Rogan. Um, and then uh, he's like, athletic greens and like, the man. or was it just stuck in the ground and they took it out of its misery and then used multiple years of op- occupation of skinning its hides and using every bit of it to, uh, you know, they were, they didn't kill it. It was just dead. Okay. Difficult question. <laughs> what what kills a mammoth that's an animal? What would you say that like a megafauna animal that could kill a mammoth? It'd have to be... Do you think it'd have to be like some sort of pack animal? Like, I don't know if a short-faced bear is going to bring down a mammoth. Maybe a baby. Because I do... There are like lions that kill baby elephants in Africa all the time. Okay. It's also a super sad video too. Like, I was just like, oh, that thing knows it's oh. dying. Oh. Yeah. Like other animals, like probably are just like, what's happening? This hurts. But elephants are like, fuck. <laughs> um, I don't have my will. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to see the last season of Game of Thrones. <laughs> like, don't, uh, don't give anything to David. <laughs> <laughs> brutal, brutal stuff. But yeah, either have to have been pack animal or pack hunters like wolves or lions. If yeah. anything, they probably hunted the, only the babies. Like nothing's going after a bull elephant. 
Yeah. No, I don't know. I think, did you have an answer? No, I thought, I thought that was my question. I, like, I don't see bears going after... I mean, do bears... I guess the question is, do bears go after bison... Uh, I did see a video of people getting married either in Montana or Alaska or maybe somewhere in Canada. Pull it up, Jamie. (laughs) Of they're like reading their vows at the altar, then you just hear like, then you hear, and it was just like a moose getting dragged out of the water, uh, being like just eaten alive by a bear, and like the whole wedding's right there. It looked beautiful, but like literally 40 feet away across this lake or maybe 40 meters away there's just a bear like tearing and like that people are scarred for life <laughs> oh my god and like so and i was thinking the whole time like oh it sucks for the wedding it's your fault for getting married but also uh <laughs> the um <laughs> the what like a bear just took out a moose moose are like arguably scarier than bears to me because they're oh, yeah. so powerful so like if a bear can take out a moose definitely a baby mammoth so yeah. you yeeted it by the trunk. Well, and if you if you say that the uh, short faced bear is taller, that probably size probably works. Like I think I you think can so. do it. Well, this was an interesting segment of this podcast. Sorry, I went off the rails a little bit there, but we will oh, yeah. <laughs> we will come back in segment three with some science. Maybe pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra. Just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. We're back. We're back. I'm going to let Connor lead the discussion here because I, I went. There's a lot of cuts in that last, <laughs> last segment. I went off cut the that. rails. So cut that, cut that, cut that, cut that. Cut that. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going <laughs> to let Connor talk. I just wanted to mention that the kind of the first proponent of this. So this this theory of humans killing off all the megafauna is called the overkill hypothesis. I think it was originally proposed by Paul Martin back in 1973 in science. That's a- We just want to mention... That's a journal. Yeah. Some days. Yeah. Yeah. But just that's that's kind of this whole discussion is the overkill hypothesis or the climate hypothesis. There and then there's kind of the middle iteration of it, which is both climate and overkill. Which I think that's like everyone but Todd Cerevel falls into the middle of yeah. that. And I, I should add, uh, I may immediately interrupt, immediately interrupting, Decepticon variant Hobo 19 <laughs> is <laughs> Snooky Goldberg. I need to add that, like, where we were at Wyoming, there were a few professors who are pretty strong about overkill. So, like, I have my biases. Connor also does. But, like, when you think of it, there's only a few schools that actually study this. And, like, most of them kind of agree. So, like... 
like it's biases, but also like we've learned about this a lot in school. So yeah, this and is, some people might kind of- find saying climate and overkill our combo or like both did it, which is what I am a proponent of. But other people that we know might just be like, no, it's only one. <laughs> so yeah, but I mean that that kind of follows a similar debate, or I mean I think a lot of people in that time period, there's it's a little campy and. Paleo stuff, but yeah, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. and uh, I mean the other thing too is the meteor, and that gets the bug buzzword. Hancock talks about it. He's got his new show, and like Graham the Cock. meteor, Graham Cock hashtag is like I mean rightfully so. It's a cool theory. Like if an impact came in and destroyed everything, like that's awesome. But it's also like he's pigeonholing it into one thing, like it. Like one thing caused it, and it's an easy thing to blame it on, much like the dinosaurs. It's like, oh, of course it killed everything. But like, it only killed everything in North America, according to him. Like, the rest of the world, like, it's, I guess, just not, like, doesn't I matter. Think or he says it's the whole world, but. Yeah, I think there's other, I think it's like a larger thing. But yeah, so the last period that w- where things get wild is the Younger Dryas, is what we're calling it. And then this is the Younger Dryas impact hypothesis, which is that a bunch of meteors went all nuclear and cause this this change that we're seeing this and the ex- extinction it's it's heavily debated i mean it's there's a there's no punches pulled in this debate yeah and like he specifically says like it's at this time at the end of the younger dryas or during the younger dryas but like again things in australia die way before those meteors were hitting a lot of things die in australia there were some meteors there on the ground mm-hmm. with feet so, <laughs> and spears, but, um, I guess Woomera or Atlatls, but uh, not to distract, but I guess what I'm saying is if the impact hypothesis is true, cool. Right. I'm fine with that. Like, I, I don't think there's enough sufficient evidence for me to say so yet. However, mm-hmm. it could be a climate or a combination of the meteor climate and humans. Like, why can't that be a thing where a lot of people are just in the camp of, nope, it's just a meteor. Like humans didn't do anything. And I'm like, why, where, why would you? say that <laughs> that's yeah that that's that's the camp i cannot participate in and that exactly. really it really does overlap with like pseudoscience and pseudoarchaeology it really that's the most those i things, guess those comments yeah those are the i think that's the the greatest proponent and greatest density of pseudo scientists and pseudoarchaeologists are in that camp of boom sky climate change and i don't i, I just can't the evidence doesn't support that. Like there obviously are meteors, like all the stuff that they are finding is real mm-hmm. and they have like good evidence for it. I mean, all the stuff that the guy, who's the topper guy? Al Goodyear. Yeah. All Goodyear's. He's finding the evidence of those meteors. There's another guy who does the stuff, the impact stuff there. I can't remember his name. I met him a few oh, years ago. Um, Shane, Shane would know. He's a, he's a, he pops up on a, you would know on Facebook and I'm like, well, I'm not going to add him. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like th- those impacts are like there for sure. And like, I mean, I'm not to bash Hancock again, but like not, not even bashing him. I'm just saying like, he says, Oh look, all of these meteors hit right at this time. And like, you can see it in the soil, but he also admits that like meteors been hitting the earth, like through all the soil, like at the other times, it just conveniently fits into that one. Is there in concentration? Yeah. But like, they're still hitting it 
in places like meteor. The di- my meteor's killed. Di- but, but, <laughs> sorry, I just, <laughs> I just, I just, <laughs> just Joe Biden. <laughs> uh, come on, man. <laughs> Gotta get come on. Uh, <laughs> the better build back better plan. What was I saying? Oh. Um, it's just a convenient. <laughs> I like, truly feel for media- the man. <laughs> yeah, meteors have been hitting our planet for forever. Every single day, there might be concentrations like the it's likely killed the dinosaurs is what i think where where you were going is that yes that's what i was trying to say <laughs> <laughs> like it likely killed the dinosaurs or it caused the climate change and and right. all that stuff that's associated with it so that's that's a very real thing but micro crystals and huge meteors don't really we know where that meteor hit i i just don't think they're the big one in greenland yeah yeah yeah, like yeah. they're not equivalent to what they're. Oh, oh, the the dinosaur one was in the Yucatan. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Which one? In Greenland. Greenland's the one that Hancock's talking about. Yeah. Oh, okay. But they're not equivalent. I mean, and meteors hit it all the time. It's just it's not a it's not a solid argument based in the facts and the science. Yeah, and like he's saying that the major event of that was during the Younger Dryas, which is eleven thousand years ago. I think, right? Is that my right there? Yeah. 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 But like cave hyenas, as I was talking about the other day on, on Instagram, they died out 15,000 years ago in Siberia. Coincidentally, when humans and dogs are there. But anyway, they died out long before the meteors hit. So things were already dying and people don't see it that way, especially because it's projected to them and spewed at them that it was a meteor in the thing. But like the, the hot topic back in the day was this overkill thing. And this was the same yeah. thing where people are like, I don't think so. Because, like, how could humans possibly kill everything? And then people get the idea of, like, they were hunting every last one. And it's like, no. If you kill no, the bull elephant, not. the herd's going to disband, you know? So. Yeah. Well, and the, the, the reality of the, the past and of what we study is that everything is fucking messy. Like, yep. th- this, like, this, the Gramcock, like, one, one theory equals this and explains all stuff just doesn't work because humans are messy. The climate is messy. The earth is wild it's on like weird cycles that change through time like it's none of this stuff is yeah it's it it, you're right it's just it's random chaos like there's not we we look for simple answers but it's never i never feel like that is adequate an adequate story that we're telling or an adequate representation of the past because it's it's complicated that's the the reality of it there's a lot of context to it that needs to be explained and that's what leads me to believe it's the right answer is that it's a mix of everything because it's hard to explain. People want one answer. That's just the, the be all end all. But like if you wanted one answer, I'd say it's humans, <laughs> but like in addition to the other things, but cause that's the only factor that's changed. Meteors have been hitting the planet for years. Climate's been changing for years, but then <sighs> I'll probably do it again, but uh, <laughs> um, humans appear, but I, I know I'm sounding biased here, but I guess what I'm trying to, to get to is you can't sit down and explain to people who aren't interested in archaeology or ecology or Pleistocene zoology the entire history of like, oh, well, there's climate, there's humans, there's this, there's the meteor. Meteor just makes sense, and I get that. So it's that's what leads me to believe the right answer is it's all of it because it's hard to explain. Yeah, well, as with you, and I think we ended last time we were talking about this as like a science communicator you you have a minute or two to explain all this on a tiktok video how do you how do you do that what's the because you want you want to give context and you want to give people 
different sides. Like it's the Graham cock is definitely um, exploiting that with his one theory yeah. solves everything. Specifically today, I like got one that was saying like, you're spewing misinformation, talk about the land bridge theory. And I didn't mention the land bridge. I just showed a map of people and dogs walking from Siberia to the Americas, which like, Yes, that's specifically showing Beringia to the Americas, but it's also just showing a, a visual example of people coming from one place to another. Whether they were in boats or flying doesn't really matter. Uh, and I only have a minute to explain it. So, like, I can't possibly yeah. get everything. Yeah. Unless you, like, you're fast right. forward your voice like 10 times. And the cow highway. The cow highway. I'm a huge proponent of like humans and Neanderthals being the same species. Like it's, we're all just mutant Homo erectus, but like Homo erecti. However, it, people are most familiar with Neanderthal. So in my post today, I said humans meeting Neanderthals and trading. But like, I'm not going to say Homo sapiens sapiens and Homo sapiens Neanderthalensis meeting and trading wolf belts. It's just too much to type on a little tiny thing. So like. Well, and you can't you can't reference like this is my opinion. People think differently in that little period, right? When it's supposed to be <laughs> humans and dogs around the world, like it's just not relevant. Yeah, and people are like they're different species, or they're like blah blah blah, and there's it just creates engagement, which is nice. Yeah. Money, also, money, don't money. piss off people that are really into Egypt because oh, <laughs> she wants some engagement. Anyway, I'm gonna let you speak. <laughs> no, I just think it's um, and I think that's part of this podcast and part of what we are doing as part of this is to give this context to understand because, because this is what we learned. We learned grad school that things aren't easy and, and simple and there's people involved and people get pissy and have opinions. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just, it's just, we hope to present this information in a way that is, it's going to always be biased, but less biased and more nuanced than you would get just kind of, like a science paper or a science right. article or something like that. Like we, we want to deconstruct those things because it's important. Mm -hmm. And it's not as easy as saying like, we scientifically know your heart is in this part of your chest, you know, like it's not, it doesn't work like that. We're like pretty sure your nervous system is this electrical impulse thing and like uh, electrical conduit through your body, but that's easy. This stuff is hard and very subjective and, the fun thing is like we only have what three percent of the world dug up. So like there's I mean, not even that. So there's just a million answers and everything's dead and you don't have a time machine to see it. So what's your estimate of like what is actually preserved over of over time? So like we have three percent of the land dug up and of that three percent, maybe say like five percent of the archaeological remains that are created are preserved or the bones like all that stuff wastes away and gets destroyed like how much do you think the archaeology record represents the totalness of human human culture not even a percent yeah like, like historical archaeology sure like we know we're yeah. almost there there's like you can see the human made like stucco structures and like stone structures and things like yeah you can see it but like understanding the languages and the cultures and the clothing and the, the painting and the, you know, stories that existed in coastal South Carolina, 6,000 years ago. No idea. All we see is the rocks. So yeah. does that mean they had Jetsons cars flying around space? Like Graham Hancock Probably. suggests, or he just says, 
I did, I realized this the other day too. He doesn't. He really doesn't say that stuff. He says there was probably an advanced civilization, but like advanced to him means like kind of like the Iroquois or something like that. Like people that live in a complex civilization or complex society use stone tools and stuff like that, right? Yeah. But like people interpret that to mean like they had flying cars and things like that. Like I've noticed like that the Atlantean thing. So anyway, I think he gets taken out of context a lot, even by us, but sorry, I distracted from your question. No, I mean I just think we just have we have such a limited sample. We probably have a point zero 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 one percent. Like we don't have all the stone tools. We don't have all the rocks. We don't we don't even have the stuff that preserves. And like you're saying, the the entirety of human culture is oral tradition. Or there's there's so many facets of it that we only really get a point zero zero one percent guess of that. So we're doing all right. Fuck all y'all who say we aren't doing we aren't real scientists. We're doing all right, okay? We got we don't yeah. have enough data. We're just working for it, okay? Yep. And science like changes too. Like that's good science. Like it like doesn't need to change. I know the three of us plus Shane and Jesse are pretty resistant to change when it comes to you people in the Americas, but you know what can you do? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh but I mean like I explained this on a podcast the other day too. Like we have dug up quite a bit of North America and like all over North America, we're pretty, you know, it's pretty ubiquitous that there's stone tools and there's hunting camps. There's eight deer bones that they were eating, these kinds of scrapers. So they're making food or making hides, making tools around in the country. So like say there's, I mean, there's more than 17,000 sites in the, the country. Let's say there's like 17 million archaeological sites in the country. There are mm-hmm. three that are weird in the news like that. And like, that doesn't mean we don't like, you know, it's just like, we have a pretty it's solid statistically significant example of what history was. Yeah. The sample size of those doesn't, the outlier, they're outliers. That's what they are. That's the reality yeah. is that they're like statistically they are outliers within our, our larger understanding of the archeological record. So they mm. should be treated like that. Like it's an errant piece of data. Who were the, the papers we were talking about? Like you want to list those so, for the people? Yeah, so reading stuff, I'll start with, um, and these will all be linked in the show notes. Um, there's a article by Broughton and Weitzel that's Population Reconstructions for Human and Megafauna in Nature, and that's in 2018. So that's that's one of the ones we were talking about. David Meltzer dropped one in 2020 about overkill, glacial history, extinction of North America's Ice Age fauna. The one we were talking about, about the short period of time that a lot of the megafauna disappear, um, is Faith in Cerville, 2009, in uh, the Proceedings of the National Academies of Sciences. So that's good. What else did we... And then then uh, there's also Cerville, Pelton, Sprecher, and Myers, uh, 2015, which is a test of Martin's overkill hypothesis using radiocarbon mm-hmm. dates on a st- extinct megafauna. So those will all be in the show notes please go check them out. Um, a lot of these are open access and we'll have links to the open access versions. Yeah. And, uh, we appreciate your guys' emails, uh, especially after last episode, we do read them. So thank you for the constructive criticisms and the compliments. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. And Carlton will be back or he's already back today. I think he just flew into JFK. So we should be back to our normal programming and next week, be sure to, follow our instagram page i think you guys still use the twitter i refuse to use twitter we got a facebook page and yeah be sure to rate and review the podcast it would really help us out we got swag if you're against megafauna get the swag man i think carlton was offering 
something about stickers the other day. I'm not, I'm not supposed to make those promises anymore. Yeah. I thought that was you and you were just like throwing one of the bus and I was like cackling on his like, Instagram story. Yeah. It was on, it was on the life and ruins podcast Instagram story. So I thought you were just like, if you <laughs> no, see Carlton, Carlton and hug him and you know, give him a wet willy, we'll send you a sticker. I was like, oh my that was God, Carlton's desire to be loved. <laughs> <laughs> we all have it. <laughs> we love you, Carlton. <laughs> we do. Too. And I, I, I'll post a, a post. Maybe I'll do a joint one between the our page and mine about Overkill. And if you guys have any like opinions or something like that, throw it on our Instagram. Like, let us know in the comments. Um, this should be out Monday the eighth, ninth, the eighth Monday the ninth. Uh, rem- right. Never forget January 9th. I, something happened that day. Oh, I'm thinking of January 6th. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> and with oh. that, we are out. Thanks for listening to a Life in Ruins podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at a Life in Ruins podcast. And you can also email us at a Life in Ruins podcast at gmail.com. And remember, make sure to bring your archaeologists in from the cold and feed them beer. Connor, we forgot to do our joke. Yeah, I didn't stop the recording, so we're good. Well, that was my lead-in for you to do it. It wasn't very good. I know, it was terrible. That was my joke. (laughs) Why can't Michael Jackson play chess? Oof, topical. Um, I don't know. Because he's dead. (laughs) (laughs) oh i wonder what killed him was it uh climate or was it his doctor messing with his meds was it human temperature (laughs) i don't know the kid was a mess (laughs) and on that note we're out This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Rachel Roden. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Come.